Hello, good evening, and welcome to your friendly neighborhood movie radio show. They don't make them like they used to. A show that wears nostalgia as a badge of honor, black and white moving pictures as the height of magic, and hankers for a time when the latest must-have down your local cineplex was not Dolby surround sound, but an organ rising out of the floor, and if you are lucky, smell-o-vision. My name is Tosin, and as always, I am your host. Tra time traveling back down the annals of film history with me, as always, are Sean. Hi, yeah. And Joe. Lovely to see you. Cool. Now, if this was any other show, I mean, if this was any other movie show, we would be talking about the recent spate of trailers for upcoming movies in the new year that have recently been released. So far, we've had Avengers 2. We've had Jurassic World, and today, just before I left the house, the daddy of them all came out, Star Wars, The Force Awakens. So, have you guys seen it yet? Yeah, I just watched yeah, it. Yeah, right yeah, here. yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay, yeah, but seeing as we're sticking to movies that were set before 1980, we shall stubbornly ignore all those. Although, having said that, Star Wars does span 37 years. It's for sure. Yeah, yeah, so, okay, we'll make a slight fudge. Make a slight fudge, and um, you guys have anything to say about that? Star Wars, Force Awakens, new trailer out. Well, the obvious thing is there was none of the original. Well, I didn't. I've only seen it once. Literally, only seen it once. But there didn't seem to be any of the old uh, classic characters in there uh, as yet. But it still looked pretty good. It was nice to see the old uh, Millennium Falcon looping the loop and being uh, attacked by Tie Fighters and all the oh, cool Joe stuff. Was, oh, Joe was so excited he was <laughs> jumping out of his seat and hollering and whooping and. Oh, <laughs> Star Wars, isn't it? Well, yeah. Even it, the worst Star Wars films an event, <laughs> <laughs> as we've seen yeah, two, two as, and a half times. I'm, I must admit that Millennium Falcon bit was impressive. Very cool. Yeah, it, yeah. Uh, it, it does. It does seem it did it, it, because this is one of the things I'm thinking about. Is like I've just from what I've seen so far. Is the funny thing is that people what they're pointing out is how much it looks like a return to the effects and the Star Wars of 1977. Mm, yeah, like people are talking about like practical effects and all that kind of stuff. So. Even though, like, I mean, we talk about the whole, they don't make them like they used to. You had the original Star Wars, and then you had the new ones that were made, and they were thought, oh, we have all this technology, let's sho shove it in there. And it seemed to lose some of its magic. Yeah. Yeah, I think the thing, the fact that this technology wasn't quite up to what George Lucas wanted originally forced him to concentrate on story and stuff. Yeah. And then the second yeah. time around, he just decided, you know what, I can do anything I like, so let's just do the first things that come into my head and not spend as much time planning it out <laughs> Possibly, but I, I still have a, a lot of time for the prequels more than most. Yeah, but I think I think these these ones they do seem like a they look they look like a throwback to essentially the 1977 Star Wars. Yeah. Well, those those characters in the trailer were actually in the vehicles that they were flying and on the vehicles that they were riding. You can see it, so it's there. It's a prop. It's not them just sat on a. Oh yeah, on, it's on not. A, it's not like some yeah. thing and, and pretending to fly. It's, it's there. I mean, I mean that, that little shot with the X-wing fighters shooting across the lake. They, the X-wing fighters are they they remind they're actually me practical, so much of they're the actual practical back thing. To the original. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a the thing in the news that some guy had a, a drone thing with a camera on. And he was out in his garden flying it over and accidentally <laughs> captured photographs of the Millennium Falcon <laughs> just <laughs> over a hill near his house where they were filming. <laughs> I think the set of the Millennium Falcon they've built it's, it's massive. It fills up an old aircraft hangar. Yeah. I think I've seen some pictures. Yeah. So. so okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so okay, that's enough. <laughs> so, but say, but the point I find here is that I, I, I think they're making a point for us. They don't make it like they used to, so they're going back to how they used to make it. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, hopefully that's the that's the. That well, hopefully, I mean, we'll see. We'll see what the, what happens with the story. But I think, I, I, let's say, I'm quietly optimistic. Uh, and uh, anyway, enough of that newfangled nonsense. Let's get on to some old fangled goodness. Goodness. So we're going to be talking about some absolute classics today, chosen by Joe and Sean. 
And this is what we do each week. We choose great films from yesteryears and we just talk about what, what exactly makes them so great. So, Joe, would you like to tell us what your choice is today? This is a film that took me quite a while to actually uh, finally see. I saw it for the first time uh, four, three or four years ago uh, and watched it again fairly recently. Uh, which is why I've chosen it. It's uh, the absolutely magnificent uh, All About Eve from 1950. Oh, All About Eve from 1950. So uh, Betty Davis and all that. That's the one. Betty uh, Davis, and Baxter, uh, George Sanders, who everyone already knows already have a, a, a bit of a thing for. Uh, George Sanders has the voice that everyone wishes they could have, the voice of Shere Khan in The Jungle Book. That's the same guy. Not to mention the chin. Yes, <laughs> yeah, great. and and also uh, an early performance, uh, an early appearance from uh, Marilyn Monroe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, cool. So going back, let's see how they made a trailer in 1950s. This is the trailer. Well, this is the audio of the trailer for All About Eve. Check it out. Ever since I've been on this set, I've heard nothing but discussion of Eve. May I have your opinion of her? The golden girl, the cover girl, the girl next door, the girl on the moon. Time's been very good to Eve. Life goes where she goes. She's been profiled, covered, revealed, reported. What she wears and where and when, whom she knows, and where she was and when and where she's going. Eve has insatiable ambition and talent. An improbable person with a contempt for humanity, an inability to love or be loved. But how can such a woman fool so many? Well, how does any Eve do it? She's a girl of so many interests. Pretty rare quality these days. A girl of so many rare qualities. So she seems. So you pointed out so often. So many qualities so often. Her loyalty, efficiency, devotion, warmth and affection, and so young. So young and so fair. My understanding. Didn't you know? Of course I knew. Just slipped your mind. Find out. Only thing. What I go after, I want to go after. I don't want it to come after me. Don't get up. And please stop acting as if I were the queen mother. Sorry, I Outside of a beehive, Margot, your behavior would hardly be considered either queenly or motherly. You're in a beehive, pal, didn't you know? We're all busy little bees, full of stings, making honey day and night. Aren't we, honey? Very touching, very academy of dramatic art. That bitter cynicism of yours is something you've acquired since you left Radcliffe. That cynicism you refer to, I acquired the day I discovered I was different from little boys. Ah, come on, get up, I'll buy you a drink. I'll admit I may have seen better days, but I'm still not to be had for the price of a cocktail, like a salted peanut. <laughs> What's so funny? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing? Everything. Everything's so funny. <laughs>
Yes, that was the trailer for All About Eve 1950. You reckon people reacted to that the way you reacted to that Star Wars trailer? Uh, I doubt it. <laughs> I can't imagine that, although it's, uh, it's definitely a better film. Come on, Star Wars is great, but All About Eve is an absolute masterpiece. Yeah, yeah, different first, world. The first movie to ever be uh, nominated for 14 Oscars. Yep. A feat that was not repeated until... Until uh, uh, my heart uh, will go on. Yep, until Titanic. Right. Gone, oh, how, how many years ago? That was like that was 47 years yeah. later. Yeah. So for 47 years, it wasn't... Re- so what is so great about All About Eve? It's like the evil twin sister of Singing in the Rain. It's like, it's, <laughs> it's like Singing in the Rain's the, the, the wonderful, happy side of, of, the, the show, of show business and All About Eve's the dark, kind of uh, unpleasant, backstabbing... Uh, controversial side of the industry. I absolutely, absolutely love the, well, the the angle they took with it. Yeah, I guess it's, it's not even just show business, but it's particularly theatre, like the theatre world, isn't it? So, would you just give us give us like a quick, a brief like synopsis of what the whole story is about? And stuff? Okay, well, the film opens uh, uh, with uh, an awards ceremony, a kind of like an Oscars type thing um, for for actors and actresses and all the the, the big names in show business at the time and the camera sort of panning over these faces as they're introducing this starlet, this 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 woman that lights up the theatre that's making it big in the movies as well. Um, and it's this woman called Eve. And as she's thanking all these people that have helped her to get where she is and all these people that have, that she's um, that have supported her along the way as the camera cuts to their faces and they don't look very happy. They've got these, they're some grumpy faces there and, and you think something's up. We haven't seen the whole story here, and then the film uh, tell, uh, goes as a flashback and uh, tells you how she got, went from just a, a a normal person standing outside a theatre who was a fan of, uh, of of a particular actress, and through managing to get to meet the actress backstage, hang out with her, and then make it big in the industry herself by using people and, uh, <laughs> and um, being sort of dark and shady and, and getting what she wanted. It's a very very vindictive character, the character of Eve. Yeah, I, I noticed something. I think it was in the trailer when she said um, she was probably getting on a bit, and I think her career had taken a bit of a dip when, when at Betty well, Davis. The, yeah, yeah, because she, they had the Betty yeah. Davis character, who is the who is the or who's the well-known actress, actress that Eve sort of like attaches herself to, like yeah. a leech, mm. and just sort of like feeds off feeds her off until her. Yeah, yeah. she yeah. eventually I, I, becomes a star herself. Yeah, but you were saying I think it resurrected um, Betty Davis's career for a while, did it? Uh, I mean, I sort of. Well, it was yeah, it was, it was uh, um, yeah, it was all about Eve. I mean, what films? What would you say she was famous for? When you when you say Betty Davis, with the film that jumps whatever to happened me? to Baby Jane? Jane, yeah, yeah. definitely. See, that's definitely. that's the one. See, for but me, that's after, for me, it's Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte, which is an Living absolutely it, brilliant yeah. film. And you say that a lot of people haven't seen that film. Oh, I've seen that. Yeah, I love it. I think yeah, it's, it's really movie, quite shocking. It's got some, some yeah, pretty gory yeah, bits in scary. it. It's quite quite unpleasant. But for for me, it's it's a Hush mm. Hush Sweet Charlotte and All About Eve that I will always look upon as being the definitive. Betty Davis movies. Mm-hmm. Also, that trailer is great because it featured a large amount of Alfred Newman's score. It's <laughs> just great. It's gorgeous. It's far too happy for the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's it's great. Yeah, but I think the, the the other thing that the the trailer actually showed as well was it showed it was the 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 dialogue. So it's like you were talking about the backstabbing thing, and it's, it's actually quite catty. So like Betty Davis is pretty catty yeah. throughout the entire film. And I think she was always pretty catty. Well, she <laughs> she was as well. Up, um, she wasn't up until the point where she realizes, or people start telling her, you know, this Eve, uh, she's you know, she's copying the way you walk, and she's yeah. she's she's trying to be you. Have you realized this? And at that point, up to that point, Betty Davis hadn't hadn't realized, and then she does. And there's this wonderful party that takes place, and it's random because, oh, yes. like most of most of the scene is is uh, George Sanders, 
and Marilyn Monroe sat on a staircase having a chat. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I'd like to be at that party. <laughs> There's nowhere to sit, so they're sat on the staircase. I just think, what a, what a great place to have been. Um, but that's when she starts to realise, and, and, and there's the famous line, uh, buckle your seatbelts, we're in for a bum bumpy night. Oh, yeah. Fast, fasten oh, your seatbelts. Fasten 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 your seatbelts. Connection. So whenever I hear all about Eve, I immediately think that, and I thought, oh, I haven't seen that film. That was like, actually wait, no, no, I have seen this yeah. film. And and Baxter, I mean, I have to say something because obviously she is Eve, mm. but everybody speaks about Betty Davis, but she gives a pretty brilliant performance because I think when she first shows up, you do not think anything of her. You think, okay, this is just some small town girl who's come to like the big city and is just like you know totally in, enthralled. And I think it's so it's actually really believable when Betty Davis is when Betty Davis finds it hard to believe the things that they're saying about Eve. You as a viewer, you find it hard to believe the things yeah. they're saying about well, Eve she, as well. Anne Baxter gets quite a lot of stick for for a kind of one dimensional performance, but I think that's part of it. That's part of the beauty I think of that's it. That's part of because you do just see this unassuming lady who's clearly awestruck and starstruck by these people that she's hanging out with. Um, an interesting, an interesting point. I watched it fairly recently with my wife, and it occurred to me afterwards. I said to her, "Do you think that the film would have worked better if you hadn't had that opening scene at the awards ceremony, so you didn't know that Eve made it, that she didn't become famous, and then you would have followed the story of this woman, and you'd be thinking, will she become this famous mm-hmm. star that she wants to be? Would that have added an extra sort of um, an extra uh, sort of aspect to the story?" And and she, my my wife seemed to think it wouldn't. She liked the fact that you saw that she got famous. Yeah. And the the enjoyment was then derived from seeing how she did it. Mm. And I also love the fact that the film, because even as we're speaking, this coming back to me, like it's the way it's bookended, like the way the film ends is essentially Eve gets back to her her dressing room, and there's some girl who snuck into her dressing room and That's is like, right. "I'm sorry, Eve, I just wanted to hang around with you." And she, I think she says almost exactly the same line that Betty Davis says to her at the beginning of her career yeah. to the girl. The so whole it's thing's a, clearly making a point, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, about the, uh, like the price just, of fame and fortune. Yeah, it just rolls on, rolls on, and like you do, you do something bad to someone. Don't worry, there's someone waiting for you to come do it to you. Almost biblical in that. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, that's right. If you if you do that, then expect it to come back around. Okay, and okay, and I need I need to say something. I need I need to ask about the director. Yes, Joseph L. Last name Mankiewicz. I, I think. believe so. Yeah, Mankiewicz. Yep. Yeah. Oh, how do you pronounce that? I believe it's Vich, isn't it? V- Manka- Mankiewicz. I think so. All right, cool. So yeah, um, so Joseph uh, Mank- Mankovic, because this guy was he did something because the year before this he did another film that I absolutely love and I think is is a classic. I might actually have to talk about this some other time called The Letter to Three Wives. Yes, that's right. Yeah, and that film is one of those films I stumbled across on film four one afternoon. I was like, I was like, oh, it's black and white. I'll give it a chance. And I started watching. I was like, what the. Yeah, he also this won. Is... He also won an Oscar for that as well. He won yeah, an he... Oscar for directing both of these films. Was it writing? He, did he write? A... I was going to say screen. He was. He, he wrote loads of great screenplays. Yeah. So he was, so um... he so he wrote the he he wrote he. Uh, the thing is that the thing about it is that um some of the dialogue in Oliver if it reminds me a bit of like a Billy Wilder film, sure. but but like Billy Wilder, the darker side of Billy Wilder. Perhaps that was what Monroe perhaps that set her off. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, and Marilyn Monroe, like one of her earliest screen performances, because I remember watching this film and not knowing about that. And then that's that scene in the party because they're all on the stairs and the, she she sort of walks up the <laughs> stairs on somebody's <laughs> arm. And, and I'm looking and going, hang on a second, that woman looks familiar. Yeah. Hang on, is that that 
That's yeah. Marilyn Monroe. What the? <laughs> well, the great irony is that throughout the whole film, they basically slate her acting ability. They spend the whole time saying, "Oh, she was all right." Yeah. But did you see Eve? Like, <laughs> Eve was some, something else. And and uh, George Sanders. I'm just going to take a moment. Yeah, George Sanders. Wow, uh, his character Addison Dewitt is just uh, an absolutely superb character. He's all he's on top of everything. He's one step ahead of everyone. He's brought Marilyn Monroe into the mix, but he's still willing to just drop her at the, at the uh, leave her at the drop of a hat and go straight to uh, to Eve, to yeah, Eve, yeah, and, and, and prop her up and give her a career. Yeah, and I think uh, the funny thing is that even then, I think because Marilyn Monroe, she she's dressed, if I remember correct, she's dressed in a white dress. And she, so she's white dressed, like you know, pale face, blonde hair, and nobody else has that. So she's she's almost like this sort of like weird, weird little beacon in the middle of the scene that everybody is ignoring because <laughs> she hardly has any lines. She's just sort of standing there and just looking back and forth vacantly, yeah. and everyone else is just sort of like throwing all this great dialogue over her head and all that. It's almost as if they're like, yeah, whatever. And then she ends up becoming the biggest star out of all of them. Yeah, it's almost kind of like an Eve thing in in itself, but it's. It's a bit meta, yeah. but any but anyway, I think that's great, and I think okay, a letter to three wives that's got to show up at some point oh, if you haven't seen that. Only the year before, seen it. I haven't yeah. seen it. It was 1949. Have you seen it? Yes, I've seen it. It, it really that that plays like it plays a big mystery with the thing. I actually wanted to direct the stage performance of that, but True. they wouldn't let me have the rights. Oh dear! <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't let me have the rights. I don't know what's wrong with them. Anyway, okay, cool. So I think that was a cracking one. Um, we have to keep. We have to get moving. Anything else you want to say about all about Eve? Just to finish off uh if you haven't seen it see it uh it's it's great it's it's old school hollywood brilliance and and you get this you get these uh, great performances from these great actresses and actors and uh, it takes you through a real journey and you you you, you want to know how things happen rather than what's going to be the outcome which is which is a real um i think it's a, a, an I, achievement for a film sure and i, I think back to the director was Mankiewicz. yeah um i mean he always wrote parts for strong women and I mm. think it's really nice during around that time you know to have strong women characters in a yeah. film and probably that, that three women or three wives the three like wives is definitely probably, yeah. definitely something about strong women yeah. right? you see that film and he made Cleopatra I mean strong women crikey <laughs> the and a great film The Ghost and Mrs. Muir so a great English film the guy was good the guy he was, he was good <laughs> yeah. the guy was good yeah. alright cool so Joe have we got ourselves a quiz we have got a quiz Okay, so I'm going to go quite simple for the first one. See if anyone's how people are on their their nicknames. Uh, this movie legend um, was quite well known uh, in the industry as the perfect wife. She had a few nicknames, but uh, the one that will either throw you or, or, or give you the answer is the perfect wife. The perfect, the wife. perfect wife. Yeah, which screen legend could could possibly have been known by the? The, the nickname The Perfect Wife it's going to be a man isn't it <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a man yeah, Tony Curtis <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking Montgomery Cliff <laughs> ah, could be <laughs> alright cool we'll, go, we'll come back to that one we'll come back to that one which screen legend yeah, was no, The Perfect yeah. Wife Anthony Perkins yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so good would it <laughs> okay alright okay so we're going on to a second film choice this week Chosen by Sean. So, Sean, you want to tell us what film we have this week? Okay, well, I mean, I mean, I know we did Gangsters last week, and I love me Gangster War, um, Western films. Um, and this film, funny enough, a year before um, All About Eve, uh, White Heat, James Cagney. James Cagney, awesome. Um, this, this, <laughs> this was 
uh, they used to show this on TV quite a lot, and obviously I was really young. And, th- and yeah. there are other Cagney films, The Roaring Twenties, Angels with Dirty Faces. There's a real big, big, big time. But White Heat, the character Cody Jarrett was just like a psychopathic, like just no feelings for anyone. And I mean, I think I think he should have won an Oscar for it, really. But mm. uh, I think his co-star Virginia Mayer said. Oh, they didn't. They didn't award Oscars to bad guys in movies. You know, at the time, there's only <laughs> good guys. The only person from White Heat that got a, an Oscar nomination was the, for the screenplay. Yeah, it's the only the only one. Yeah, because they're all bad characters. But I mean, this film's uh, it, there's like a prison break in it, and mm-hmm. um, you know, he's, he's his mother is like the biggest thing in his life, and everything to do with his mother. And it's it's the um, actress who plays the mother, um, just really, really sort of. It's great because she's got the, well. You've got no sympathy with the Mar Baker. It's the Mar Baker character. Yeah, 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 I guess it's best. Okay. And she runs the gang and everything. Great. All right. Okay. All right. And that we well, speaking about his mother. I'm going to play now an excerpt from the film itself. Mm-hmm. I mean, those of you who have heard the who have heard the word once you heard the words white heat, there was probably a quote that came straight into your head. So no prices for guessing what this is, and no prices for me for any or- originality. It just had to be done. So here is an excerpt from White Heat. Get the gun, Hank. Gonna say, yeah, he finally got to the top of the world. Blew right up in his face. That's the better line. I love that line far more. It's just like, Cody Jarrett. So cruel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, the character. I mean, the character's just like, you know, well, you can't have any sympathy with him. I don't think at all. You know, there's no. It's a film where there's no sympathy because he's just okay. All right, cool. So if you could just take us back a bit, give us a bit of synopsis of White Heat. Okay, White Heat. This is basically the story of um, uh, Cody Jarrett. He's a gangster, and um, he's run a gang. There's a prison break. He, he's while he's been in prison, he's made friends with a um, undercover police officer. Oh he's yeah. Like, and when he breaks out and he forms his gang, the uh, the police officer sort of, you know, he, he totally trusts the police officer, and then finally finds out towards the end, he goes a copper. You know, so it's it's uh, all the while. 
I, well, it's just prison movie, gangster movie, lots of action. But so is it? There's that great train. Uh, oh, the train bit, isn't there? The oh, first, of course, the very, yeah, yeah. The very first shot of the shot, film is this yeah. train hur- yeah. coming out of this tunnel, it's hurtling towards you, and and because of where the camera's positioned, it seems like it's huge. This train is like the scale is massive. Yeah, yeah. It's just a normal train, but mm. because it sort of bears down on you. Yeah, and that starts the whole train robbery. Train thing, robbery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think with um, I, I think those those films being in black and white as well, just mm. sort of you know they give it. I think they give it a lot more atmosphere. Give it a lot more more gangster feel and a lot of these Cagney movies used to be on TV and I'd have been I suppose about 14, 15 when I watched them and I just like really got into gangsters and at school I remember at school we was always, always into gangster films and yeah rather than cowboys and Indians we used to play gangsters so, yeah yeah Oh, okay, so it's um, because White Heat is one of these films that you know, like, for instance, I've never actually seen White Heat. And, and the thing is, even though I've seen White Heat, I know about, like, Made in Mar, Top of the World, know about the fact that his mum's actually yeah. quite big to him. And just Cagney himself, Cagney is just this amazing character oh, sure. who, when, when I think about it, I haven't really seen that many Cagney films, but I still think the guy's cool. Okay. <laughs> I still, I still... But, originally, he was um, a song and dance man, vaudeville yeah, man. That's um, the thing I find the craziest thing yeah. about him. And. Um, maybe a bit stiff but I mean uh, and another thing he, he was in westerns as well he, he made a couple of westerns a really good cowboy as well <laughs> so really quite versatile I mean everybody remembers him as a gangster because but then when you watch Yankee Doodle Dandy you don't think yeah. God that's Cody Jarrett no, no 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 no. it's totally yeah so yeah. sorry you're going to carry on no, no, no go on so he was really really quite a versatile actor but everybody remembers him as a gangster and yet yet he made lots of other different films. Well, yeah, that's the thing, because I, I remember I've seen some, like, some sort of wonderful things, like musicals that he did, and when he went back to them after he'd done the whole gangster thing, Shit, I, yeah. and it just seems a bit weird, because if <laughs> if, if, you, if you're used to seeing James Cagney carrying, like, a six-shooter, like, a revolver, and, like, snaring, and going, nah, ah, sang, and all kind of stuff, and all of a sudden you see him, like, jumping around and dancing, and you're like, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. what? He's what happened? He's not allowed to do that. It's not right. Why aren't people running? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like, for instance, James Cagney is the kind of person because when you talk about, you were saying about, they're saying that nobody gives Oscars to bad guys. He's the kind of person that I'm thinking about Heath Ledger playing the Joker. I would have loved to see a James oh, Cagney Joker. Joker, yeah. Cool. That'd be yeah, that would be. That would I would have be, loved yeah. to have seen James Cagney oh, play yeah, a Joker. He, he could have played it as well, yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think he would have, he would have done it. I mean, he would have been like plain old scary. All I have to do is walk into a room and like. <laughs> With George Sanders as, back, as Batman. <laughs> <laughs> Which brings up because George Sanders was Mr. Freeze, wasn't he? He was so Mr. Freeze. He was Mr. Yeah, Freeze yeah, yeah, in the TV show. Dreamcast. <laughs> <laughs> Did you like my George Sanders impression? <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. So, but I mean, it, as I say, it was it was a good cowboy as well. A lot of people forget he was, you know, in a cowboy. I think Oklahoma kid, and um, you know, it, so so really quite versatile, and not just you know not just for his gangster films. Mm-hmm. I think his last film because he retired for a while, and his last film was um, I don't know. Jane might be able to find that for me. Was um, he played a police chief? <laughs> he played a police. Chief. He was really old, and, and oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, so what year would that have been? Do you know? About eight, um, 84, 86, something like that. So, yeah, because I remember seeing him when he was older. He showed up on Parkinson, like the the TV the TV show on the the talk show Parkinson's, and it just it was kind of like he just you know he he walks in and he kind of like it was weird because 
you could see, oh my word, that's James Cagney. And even it wasn't just that he was older or anything like it. it was just that in real life he looked nothing like the characters that he played. Like even the way he carried himself and everything like that. And I remember Parkinson was asking him, ask it was, it was saying, so how did this whole like you know gangster persona come up about? And he said that what well, he'd gone for an audition and he'd been in New York and he'd seen like one of these sort of like you know guys about town who's like you know sort of like Italian guys probably yeah. being linked with mafia or something. And he said that all he just saw that this guy just kept like you know fixing his tie and like shifting his shoulders up and everything like that. So he said he went in there, did that in the audition and then that became his trademark <laughs> for all those years yes. after that. He was like, all they do is just fix the tie, shift the shoulders and everything. And also people are like, oh my God, yeah, look at you, yeah, scary man. <laughs> Joe's, Joe's been really good and he's found the um, the film for me. He's called Ragtime and he plays a New oh, York yeah. police commissioner. And I've seen that film once and mm-hmm. I remember him in it. I mean, a long time ago, I can't remember a lot about it, but um, mm-hmm. yeah. So, I mean, he'd retired. So the last film he made was about 61 and um, he made this one in 81. So he had like a 20 year year break apart from a couple of little narrations, I think. Just enjoying his life. Just enjoying his life. Yeah. Just a little, oh, but that's... that last one, yeah, I'm, I'm going to check that out again. That's a, This is great. This show's great because <laughs> you can now, I'm going to have to check out Ragtime again. Yeah. I, think, I think that's one of the problems I've had with us doing this show is that I go back and I'm like, I don't have enough time. (laughs) I don't have enough time. I need to watch all these films and I need to actually go do something to earn some money as well. I don't have enough time. Someone needs to pay us to do this. I only watched All About Eve last week. I can't really afford to see it again. (laughs) (laughs) Other things I need to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I know. It's it's one of the things. Okay, but can you just talk us through that scene that we heard? Yeah. The the whole Made in Mar, Top of the World. Okay, so he finds out that that his, his mate is a copper. And he gets really upset, and and they got well. They're, they're going to do this robbery at a chemical works. Mm-hmm. So you've got these big, I mean, I don't know, maybe gas in there or some sort of petrochemicals. And um, he's he's running away from the law, and his mate's got a, a rifle on him, and he shoots him like two or three times. And that's when he said, "Oh, why doesn't he go down?" And he stood there with his six gun, going, "Come on, copper!" Letting off his gun, and then he just shoots into this this tank of i don't know gas chemicals and there's just this monster explosion oh so he actually so he kills himself he kills himself basically yeah, yeah he's, he's well he's been shot and he's probably going to die but he just fires into this he fires his gun into this tank of i guess it must be petrol or gas and just yeah. the whole place just goes can i just say that it is definitely is a real explosion it is definitely not a picture of the place with a, an explosion superimposed immediately on the top of it it's a proper explosion. <laughs> it may look that it may look that way but, but don't be fooled why don't they do that anymore <laughs> yeah so so that's basically that scene that's the end that's the the uh, you know when he's like Ain't it my top of the world and then he fires a couple of slugs into the into the yeah, you know, you know, another problem with this show is that we keep spoiling movies that people haven't seen oh, yet. Yeah, I should have said spoilers. Oh, yeah. Spoiler so. alert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spoiler alert. The film's like 50 years old. They, they, so, yeah. <laughs> it's like made it my top of the world. He says that just before he dies, okay? So it's like. Greatest final line. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like, if you. They, I, I think a lot of people would probably have seen Exactly. That's yeah, I, 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 don't, I, I think. Not, and maybe. More I think than once I should think. I think the only the only bit of this show where we can be accused of spoiling movies is when we talk about the exception to the rule. The rule. Besides yeah, that, yeah. Yeah. I mean it's your own fault for not watching the film yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, okay, cool. So, and now we go on to Joe. Right, okay. I'm tr- after last week where everybody got it in the first clue. I'm trying to keep it a little bit a little bit more mysterious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking that we shouldn't have done that. We should have we should have played dumb, Sean. We should have done. Yeah. <laughs> He's no, going to no. be evil now. No, no. <laughs> if you know it, say it. 
Uh, this time, however, I think you might take a little bit longer to get it. Uh, this particular movie legend, despite being known as, as the perfect wife, actually began uh, her career as a silent movie star, playing um, exotic kind of femme fatale roles. Uh, thankfully, though, with the advent of sound, she managed to secure roles uh, playing slightly more witty, uh, pleasant, sort of professional women. Mm. Hmm. So somebody who transcended both the silent era and the sound era and yeah. did oh. and did well in both. And, and, and almost changed her, her persona because of it. So ah. During the silent era, she was a sort of femme fatale, kind of dark characters. And yet uh, when, when sound came along, reinvented herself as this witty, professional kind of woman. So... The in the silent, so in the silent film, she was like a vampy sort of I mean, exotic femme fatale is what I would say. Hmm. I have an interesting. I, I got an inkling, maybe. I have I have a name in my head. I have a name in my head. It's about the only person I can think of who did well in both things. I know that I know that there were some people whose careers were destroyed. I can think of about three or four actually. Tozen's falling into my trap. <laughs> <laughs> well, we still have a couple more clues. I'm just gonna—I'm gonna keep my powder dry. <laughs> All right. Okay. Cool. So, uh, thanks very much for that, Joe. We shall hear the rest later. And at the m- now, what happens with this show is that it's not just about us sitting down here talking about how much we know about movies or what movies we love or anything like that. I love—we love to get out there, speak to people, and actually find out what their experience of films are as well. In the hospital, usually couldn't make it in there today, but we do have this. Uh, we have an interview with somebody here at Sunshine Radio, David, and he's talking about something that doesn't happen in cinemas anymore. And I wonder why. I actually think that cinemas, Cine World, if you're listening, you might be missing a trick. And here's David. Okay, so tell me about the lover seats. Right. Well, the lover seats were two seats together with the center arm piece removed, and they were always on the back row of the cinema. And very popular. <laughs> so, what films did you see while sitting in a lover seat? Um, South Pacific, it could be one. A whole range, I mean, it used to be every weekend when we'd be at the cinema. So it was a huge plethora of films that one could see. But yeah, if you got the girlfriend at the time, it was always the back row. <laughs> were, those, were those more expensive? or? No, they were, in actual fact, they were the same price as the normal seat. It's just that obviously you bought two tickets instead of one. Yeah. I think they missed a trick there. <laughs> so that was David. Joe, what's so funny? <laughs> You're doing a <the> silent. <laughs> Nothing, I'll tell you uh, later. <laughs> <laughs> well, the lover seat in the back row of the, of the cinema and everything like that. I'm thinking it's. I wonder. Hmm. I wonder why they stopped. Anyway, Sean. You actually, yeah. I can, I can remember, I can remember the double seats. Yeah, they used to be, I think, in the back two rows of the, because um, you had the circle. Generally, you'd have a circle. Yeah. And obviously the. So a higher, a, a higher level and a. Yeah, le- higher level and a lower level in the stalls and in the back of the stalls, they used to have. Uh, we had a local cinema. Um, the two rows, the back two rows, were were twin seats with you know, two arms, double seat. And uh, yeah, it was. Um, they were they were that red velvet that had obviously been well sat on for ages. Yeah, this was the one I remember. The the picture house or the cinema was called um, the Continental. Oh yeah, and it was like a real. Where, where was that? That this was in Bournemouth. In uh, Bournemouth, Winton, actually. Yeah, yeah. and um, and it's, it's a it's a student bar now, and it's all like it's all gone. It used to be very uh, 
Art Deco had like a oh, yeah, dome yeah, yeah. and it's it was a real proper proper cinema, but obviously was jaded when the years I went and the, mm. the seats at the back, the the red velvet had obviously was had, had not be- so plush as it used to be. <laughs> it's all like it was sort of rubbed away velvet. Rubbed away, yeah, <laughs> rubbed away. So they well, well, in fact, all the seats were like that. That was um, that was a, a great cinema because I mean, in those days, I mean, I remember my my father telling me that there was like a cinema every two, three hundred yards, you know, mm. where where he lived, and like they go to pictures every night because of course there was no TV. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, and I think he took my mum to see High Noon. He said he took. I wondered. I sometimes wonder. I'm going to ask him next time I see him. I say, did you sit in those um, twin seats at the back? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so that would be uh, that would be quite funny. They were great those old cinemas. Really, I miss that. There's sometimes I get that feeling again when I when I go to the cinema and I sometimes sit back. The film particularly was um, uh, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, which was. Was, you know, I think we've mentioned that on. The, yeah, we've mentioned on, that. Yeah, yeah, but this, the, the that film brought me back, and I thought, oh, this is like, this is like, used to be in, um, in old type cinemas, you know, because of course they were. Now it's all, all done technically, whereas in those days, the old projectionist would have to change the. Oh yeah, change the, the reel. Sh- like, change the reels. Through, yeah. There used to be like a little little circle that would come up when they were ready to change, and yeah. on, on the on the picture, and sometimes you could see the you know the slight jump, not not a major jump, but. <laughs> Yeah, some, but yeah, it's great. They, those those old picture houses were marvelous, marvelous things. So, so with, with the lover seats and all that, did, I always wonder, did they stop them because, like, you know, they ended up with too many pregnant girls, like, or something? Or I, I, I don't, I don't know if actually in those days, I don't know if there was any um, sort of shenanigans that was taking place. I think it was more more of a case to put your arm around someone, and, okay, and maybe you know a little kiss on that because uh, I think in those days probably they weren't quite. <laughs> so if, if they put them in there now, who, who knows what would happen? <laughs> because, because I'm thinking, I'm thinking that when you when you think about it, right? You know the whole stereotype, the, the stereotype of the back seat of the, the back yeah. back row of the cinema. That's where, like, you know, all sorts of random stuff goes in there. Yeah. Like, I'm, so essentially, if you're if you're watching a film, just kind of keep your eyes forward and don't look in the back row. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, sure. And I'm thinking that, that 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 must have come from somewhere. So I'm trying to figure out whether that came first or whether the lover seats came first. So did that happen first, and then the cinemas were like. Hmm. Yeah, yeah love us. Well, well, I guess without an, or I guess or, without an armrest in in the middle, it was probably you know. Yeah, <laughs> or maybe, knows? or did they make the lover seat and then they went, okay, yeah, that's a whoa, whoa, what are they doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Get rid of them! Get rid of them! That could happen. I'm just wondering what you guys are talking about. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't love them. I don't get what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the, I'm the, lost. The old, the yeah, cinemas were great. I mean, I they were just like that and. Generally, in the foyer, the foyers would be really, really nice. Okay. Um, they'd have the old when you got your tickets. They used to press a button. It was like a aluminium count, and they go kachunk like that, and the, yeah. the tickets would come out, and they'd be, and then you'd, they'd have an usher that would show you through with a torch and show you. Oh seat yeah, and, yeah. And everything like that. They'd normally take you past the double seats and <laughs> move you down a bit. Okay. They, so, so what is the what what is the what's the coolest cinema that you guys have been in? Like the one that you've been in, and you actually thought, "Wow, this is different." Um. What I did different or good? Well, I went to. Um, <laughs> well, there's a lot of cinemas in China that were different. Yeah, I can imagine that. But that was an experience. The, you know, the screens are huge, and you're like, "Wow, this is going to be the greatest." Oh, it's out of focus. <laughs> 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 the framing, you know, yeah. Screens the size of, of, of buildings, and, and yet it's half projected on the roof. 
Excellent. Got to make a decision. Do I leave the movie and complain, or do I sit there and try and pretend that it's not uh, half on the ceiling? The, the, I, I think the cinema experience I remember was um, when Bruce Lee was all the rage, and yeah. of course the films were heavily censored. But it was this. It was called the Gaumont State Theatre, and it was in Hackney in London. And I, I think it's actually. I'm going to check that out. Have a look. But they sh- were showing all the uncut, the Chinese versions of like the Bruce Lee films. With yeah. All the bits that they chopped for the for the, the British screenings. And I remember that. And that was huge. That was a massive, massive, another, again, an art deco. Yeah. And, um, you know, the front. And it was it was really, really big foyers, swirly staircases. Yeah, with, you yeah. Know, and it was did, just like, well... Did they show geez. the whole film with this footage reinserted or did they just c- combine they, they, all of the they, cut bits? And it, was all, it was all Chinese with, with subtitles. <laughs> they didn't do so, like a cinema paradiso thing with all the kisses. With just Bruce Lee. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, this was... This was... Because, I mean, we used to go and watch, watch Bruce Lee films and all of a sudden they'd be like... Uh, Bruce Lee would step out with all these guys and then it would just cut. Like, <laughs> like, load of, load of people all lying on the floor, and it's like, well, what, 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 what happened? What happened? Gas leak. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like, what's going on here? So, so, so the guy, I don't know, it's the, like Bruce Lee gas, yeah, yeah, very yeah. potent. <laughs> exactly. It's like, what? What's happened? Way of the dragon, particularly. Turns out they all come out in this in the back of the and tunk, there it is. They're all, all the blokes are beaten. So <laughs> that was easy. So yeah, all the tension gone. So when when we actually saw that as well, that was great. And as I say, it was all in Chinese, and the subtitles were different to the actual dubbed version because yeah. in the dubbed version they're like, uh. "Okay, man, let's go and beat them up." <laughs> and it's, like, you know, it's just like really. How did you do that? Oh, oh, your, your mouth was moving at a different time to your to your voice. How yeah, did yeah, you yeah. do that? Yeah. Oh god, that, that, that was brilliant. That was brilliant. Oh, they can't mess with us. That's weird, man. Don't do that. <laughs> that is, you, you should check that out. Kung Fu dubs. Yeah, excellent. Oh my word. Yeah. Oh my word. Brilliant. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> you like that one? I could probably find you that. Okay, man. Oh, let's go Lord, beat him up. I was gonna do. Okay, I actually, I remember, I remember seeing the film Up. I saw this in Colorado. Uh huh. So I, I loved it because this was obviously before it was released in the UK. I was, I was there for a wedding. Had a couple of hours to kill before a flight. So I just searched online, found the closest cinema, and then drove off to it, and got to this place with a friend of mine. And it, it was kind of like a diner. Like it was a cinema in a diner, so you could actually sit down. It had all these tables in front of it. You would order your meal, and they'll bring like this TGI Fridays type meal out for you while you are watching the film. So they're bringing you dinner. They're bringing you dinner. So it's a dinner ma. Dinner ma. Oh. I think I get it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, and it's and they'll bring it out. I remember just sitting there going, "This is so cool." And the thing, the the bit that got me is that it cost about two pounds. Wow! It got about two. Yeah. Oh, to see the film, the the dinner you had to pay on top of that, but it was just really, really cool that you got to sit down there watching this thing, and it was just so. It's one of the coolest cinemas I've been in. Um, but I want to talk about Art Deco. I do think that there is this weird marriage between Art Deco and cinemas. Cinema, yeah. Like the, I think the 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 Empire in Leicester Square in London. Oh yeah. I went in there. That thing was huge. Huge. Yeah. Had like about a thousand yeah. seats or something like. It was massive. Yeah. Yeah. And it's and yeah, unfortunately, they're thinking about breaking it down and turning it into like a couple of smaller cinemas because, quite frankly, you never get a thousand people watching one film anymore. So because they're not very good anymore, <laughs> <laughs> they show something from uh, the era we talk about. Perhaps they would. Yeah, maybe, maybe because when when I actually went, it was it was a Boardwalk Empire, the TV show. 
they had they were doing showing the first two episodes of it as a premiere yeah. so they did the whole thing they had everybody dressed up all like you know like was atlantic city in the what was it 1920s the sort of like al capone era era and i was like and they had everybody dressed up like that and people were dressed up with all these dre- uh, like you know the feather bows and the spangly dresses and you had the people sh- with its flashlights showing you to your seat it was, it was it so it was it, it was good oh and also the um, but i think when you talk about that you heard of the secret cinema Secret yes, Cinema, yeah, Future Cinemas, they they do some good stuff. I went to see Bugsy Malone, a version of Bugsy Malone in like a, a place called the Roxy in East London, where they had, you walked in there, and you walked and they had like a boxing ring all set up and there was a guy going, hey, yeah, you want to fight this guy? You want to fight this guy? <laughs> no, no, I'm here for the film. <laughs> Show me to my seat. Actually, as we talked to a friend of ours, wasn't there a film recently in the summer? That was shown in the court. Didn't they show North by Northwest? Yeah, the I saw. I, uh, oh, this, they show. Oh, they show North yeah, by North on, on the island. On the yeah. island, yeah, I, um, in a cornfield. We saw they had they had a few. They had the, the Goonies at somewhere, Northwood House or something, and they had um, uh, Madagascar at, at the zoo, and Frozen up at Carriswick Castle, I think it was. And then they had North by Northwest in a cornfield, uh, just uh, near Freshwater Bay. And yeah, we all sat there in this cornfield. Um, scratching uh, as, as things were crawling up my legs, it was, and, and I, it was absolutely brilliant. I was I was worried about the projection. I thought we're not going to be able to hear it because the, the sound's going to float off across the the hills into the distance. But it was perfect sound quality. The projection was beautiful. It was a thoroughly enjoyable evening. It was really really good. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right, cool. I could actually talk about this a lot longer. Things seem to be just zipping along today. But now, third clue. Okie doke. I'm going to kind of give you a bit of a double clue here, because uh, otherwise my trap is going to be too well set and you're going to fall into it. Um, this uh, particular movie, Goddess, okay, is one of a handful of great movie stars who were never even nominated for a, an acting Oscar. Um, she did, however, receive an honorary Academy Award back in 1991. Uh-huh. So when you, when you think, you know, looking ages here she was she was acting during the silent era and then she received an, an honorary oscar in 91 and the, the double clue is uh, she was actually named after a train station that her father traveled through uh, in ni- 1905 so a bit huh. random these clues yeah no, sort of, no, 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 no. the oscar could have been after she was dead so especially <laughs> especially if she was especially if it was honorary I'm liking this. I'm liking this, man. My brain is working. Working like overtime here. Okay, so moving on to a feature that we call the exception to the rule. And this is where we pick a film that we say has been made after the after the year 1980. And we say it's even though it was made after that, it's reminiscent of those older films and it's still quite good. So Sean, what film is it this week? Okay, well, so on the gangster theme still. Um it's a 2013 film, so it was only out last year. Um, I saw it at the cinema, and I've watched it since. Gangster Squad. Um, and uh, as I say, it's, it's for me, it's an old, old-fashioned old gangster film where uh, guys come back from the war. It's, it, it takes place in Los Angeles. and um, Like all course, good gangster films. Like, oh. well, well, all good film noirs. <laughs> all good film noirs. Yeah, yeah and it's, it's about this guy, Cohen, that take, wants Mickey Cohen wants to take over Los Angeles and exclude like the the rest of the mob so yeah. he's like uh, everything anything west of Chicago we're going to control yeah. and well, obviously they've got lots of money so they're paying off the judges are, are crooked and a lot of the police are crooked And but there's one guy that starts off great start off he goes in and he busts up this um, brothel 
Um, and then obviously there's the guys that he's arrested. They all get let off. And then he gets called in by a famous guy called Nick Nolte, who's like a great act. Well, Nick Nolte's in this. Nick Nolte's in it. <laughs> he's yeah. in this. He's in it. He's can, in it. Can I just say, this is one of the few times where we're talking about a movie that I haven't seen. And I just saw that Ryan Gosling was in it. I almost stormed out. <laughs> <laughs> then, then I then I saw that the absolutely lovely Emma Stone is in it. Yeah, Emma Stone. We'll come it. back again. And now you say Nick Nolte's in it. Nick Nolte. Well, yeah. I'm gonna have to see it. Yeah. Nick and, is... and then it goes and on Sean, the story. And so Sean I Penn. I can't give too much away because it might be too many spoilers as people. All right. Only just watched this recently. Okay. So. Well, we were listening to 1950s trailers earlier. Now listen to what the trailer for Gangster Squad sounds like in 2013. Come on, educated man. But I've read some history. Every kingdom comes up bloody. Every castle's built on a pile of bones. When I came out here, LA was nothing. Back east, I was a gangster. Out of here, I'm God. Los Angeles is a damsel in distress. And I need you to save her. What happened to them? They resisted. This isn't a crime wave. It's enemy occupation. I'll need men. You are to make no arrests. It's just off the books. Who's the lucky guy? I'm going after Mickey Cohen. Doesn't seem right that he should have so much while others have so little. Wanna take me away from all this? No, ma'am. I was just hoping to take you to bed. We're standing in the middle of a money-making machine. We got all the whores and dope sewn up. Bang! Within a month, we'll have the whole West Coast tied up in a nice ribbon. Bang! Bang! You heard of Manifest Destiny? That's when you take what you can when you can. And I'm gonna take it all from you because this is my destiny. Los Angeles is my destiny. You call it, Sarge. I'm going to war. So I have only one rule. Leave these at home. No glory in this assignment. When we succeed, nobody will ever know what we've done. If we do this, there's no going back. Well, you gotta die of something. You wanna win this thing? We gotta come up with a plan. Why didn't you tell me you're a cop? I'm looking out for you. Tell yourselves I'm seeing the American dream From the bottom to the top of the globe They call me home A cop that's not for sale is like a dog with rabies You just gotta put him down Can't shoot me, you're a cop Not anymore. You were dead, pal. You were all dead. Yeah, we get that a lot. Whoa, <laughs> that was a difficult trade that one was. But um, it's got an interesting thing watch, listening to the sound of a trailer without watching it, and it just it actually makes you think. Oh, wait a second. And I'm thinking, like, they must have gotten, like, Joseph L. Mankiewicz and got him to, like, some of those quotes were brilliant. Yeah, it's, it is. It's, it's, it's a real, just, just it's, it's a really great movie. And it's got some great actors. And, I mean, I really like Sean Penn. I don't know about you, Joe. We have never really spoken about I, Sean I Penn. think Nolte is much yeah, better. <laughs> Everything he says is growl. 
<laughs> and I know about Nick Nolte. I know this is going off. I love the ball, but I was just thinking there was this film I saw him in. It's an American football film, and it was called North Dallas Forty. And oh it yeah. He's like an aging football player that's going. One of the best best sports films. But anyway, back to this film. Great actors, lots of action, lots and lots of action. Um, quite quite violent. So. Um, but it's just just good. It's just action all the way through. Really, yep. really enjoyed it. Yeah, because I remember before the film was released and I saw, okay, it's it's a bunch of guys walking around in suits and fedoras, essentially being like in the this they've been told they're gonna to be like this rogue squad and they're gonna to have to go and clean things up and it's gonna be outside of the law. And I thought, Oh, this sounds like it's right up my street. I wanna see this, I wanna go see this. But then when the film came out, I, I didn't hear good things about it. People were like complaining about Ryan Gosling's voice, they were talking about all sorts of stuff and I, I just kind of thought so, but you say well, 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 for me. But then, then maybe I'm slightly different because I, I, I like quite. No, a lot no, of no. If you say, man, I'm, I'm willing to take your word for it. But, um, I mean, I mean, you know, I mean, this you're talking to a guy like Pompey, and everybody absolutely hates that. So, is this better than Pompey? Oh, loads better. Yeah, this is this, oh, okay. this, 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 this is this this knocks Pompey. Okay, if anybody's listening, Pompeii. if you ever see a film called Pompey, <laughs> not Up Pompey with Frankie Howard, that one's actually good. A but, masterpiece. Yeah. In comparison. <laughs> We're talking about just good old Pompey with him off what's his what's his name off Game of Thrones with his shirt off. You know Avoid Joe that film like the plague. Mm. Sorry, carry on. Sean. Yeah, but well, this gangster squad, as I say, is it, if if you can accept the because it, it is quite violent. Um, but as I say, it's got it all really, and I think I think even if you weren't a particular fan of Ryan Gosling, there's enough actors in there to to make the difference. And I mean, I really like. Brolin, anyway, I think he's. Uh, and I really like Emma Stone. Emma Stone, yeah. Well, who doesn't come up not like Emma Stone? And in, in she looks quite foxy, so you know. Um, so yeah, that's always a nice one. So. Yeah, I think I remember with the um, uh, what was it called uh, with uh, with the film before because I know that before it was released, they had to move its its uh, release date because there was originally going to be a scene which shows up in the first trailer where the all these people are sat in a cinema. And then Mickey Cohen's gang are behind oh. the cinema screen with like all these Tommy guns, and they, they start whole, shooting. The Dark Knight incident happened. Yeah, they shoot, and then they walk through it. But then somebody in somewhere, I think in Colorado, actually walked into a cinema and like went that, crazy with a gun. That was, just, that was just when the Dark Knight Rises came out. Yeah, the guy was supposedly dressed as the Joker or something. It was yeah. very, very unpleasant. Very, very unpleasant. And and so they had to take the film back, and they had to because that was going to be a massive scene in the film, and they had to like cut, out, cut it out and like move a whole thing around mm. and move the film back. Which they said gave it some problems, just sort of like narratively that it's that mm. because it was supposed to be like I think it's as massive third act right. set piece or show piece okay. or something, yeah. which um, which we might never get to see unless no. it's like on a DVD or something or something like that. But uh, obviously, it's it's a little yeah, bit yeah. unfortunate. I I think you should see it because you might enjoy it, and you know I mean if you don't, then that's, <laughs> but 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 for me it's an exception to the rule. I really really enjoyed it, and as I say, I've seen it since I, I saw it at the cinema I had a big impact on me then and I've seen it since you yeah. don't look too impressed young Joe I've never seen it but no. N- Nick Nolte and Emma Stone are going to have to see it that'll do <laughs> guys in the suits with fedoras on going around being like you know a nice company of men men yeah well, I, you've I've, got me yeah <laughs> yeah yeah the last, the last I mean, time I saw a film with Sean Penn and Nick Nolte and was The Thin Red Line which I absolutely love yeah. it's a great film so yeah, yeah, yeah. okay I, I guess I like them buddy movies as well as I say with, with, oh yeah uh, yeah, you, yeah you know the the, the the sort of intenseness and then you know after they've had this experience this extreme violence or whatever and uh, you know afterwards it's all the jokey and they they have a laugh it's much like the film fury that's out now i mean that's great that's oh yeah experience. yeah still haven't gone to see that yet but 
Okay, and now, people, it's time for the final clue. It's the final clue. Right, okay. Uh, this uh, screen legend is definitely best remembered for a role in a series of six uh, films starring alongside William Powell. If you haven't got it from okay. that, you won't have it from Right, anything. well, I, I, I think it might. I, I don't know, it could be wrong now. I, I originally thought of one, but I think I might have. I'm, I'm going to go for this. I'll just say it again. This uh, screen legend was best remembered for starring in a role uh, in a series of six movies alongside William Powell. Named after a train station. Is it? She was. Well, 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 maybe I'm wrong then. <laughs> <laughs> so she's named after a train station. She's... Known for starring in a series of films with William Powell, who I don't know, I don't know who that is, and was a silent movie star, won an Oscar in 90, never won an Oscar, but got an honorary one in 1991. Can I just say I've got uh, two friends, uh, Bob and Andy, who are probably listening. If you haven't got it by now, I'll be very disappointed. Okay, is a woman. That's a good one. <laughs> I've, I've got like two. I, I, I could be barking up the wrong tree because the ones I'm thinking of, I don't think they were named after a, a train station. So. Well, uh, I had two, but the when you said like, you know, the series of films, this the two I'm thinking of, I couldn't imagine them being in a series of films. They, were, they weren't this sort of ladies. I'm going to... Well, I'm going to have my guess anyway, I think. Yeah, go, go I, I'm, I'm going to go. I, I promise I won't go for whatever it is you say. Okay. Um, well, I'm going to go for, for Myrna Loy. But I can't think. Oh, it's probably wrong because I can't think of a, a train station. There's Myrna Loy. <laughs> Myrna. But that was from that last clue. It could was, be. It could be somewhere in Wales or something. Uh, William Powell was it? The, the William Powell. That's the one. The two that I had in my head were Greta Garbo or Ingrid Bergman. Mm. The other one I was thinking of was Gloria Swanson. So we got to settle on one. Your, what's your final answer, Sean? Ooh. I'm gonna have to. Well, um, I mean, you say this, I could be wrong, but I'm gonna go Myrna Loy. Okay, Tozen. I'm gonna go with Greta Garbo because it sounds more like a it sounds more like a train station. Sean has it. Oh, come on! Very in. You like that? Yeah, no, no, it was the last clue that gave it to me. Yeah, I thought I'd, I'd put so, a nice easy one so, there at the end. So where's the train station? Uh, Myrna, apparently. It was Myrna. just the name of a train station that her father was going through. He said, oh, Myrna, that's nice, and called his daughter It Myrna. was the last clue that, 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 that gave me that. Yeah. Oh, good Lord. Oh, I, I absolutely yeah. love Myrna Loy. My favourite... Oh, Myrna Loy, yeah, she's great. She got the whole uh, the perfect wife thing from, from the best years of our lives. Oh. Great film. Yeah. And uh, my favourite film that she's, uh, that she's been in was... Um, Mr. Blandings builds his dream house with Cary Grant. An absolutely hilarious. I've actually, if you want to read that, I've actually got a book. I've got actually got a biography. Oh, okay, 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 gentlemen, gentlemen, gentlemen. Whoa. <laughs> Time's running out. Time, time is up. Time is up. Uh, so, thank you very much for joining us this week. Thank you for listening all the way to the end. It is much, much appreciated. Until then, please, for everybody in the hospital, do we do wish you good health. Wish you get better soon. And please remember, do not. Uh, no, not do not. They don't make them like they used to. Thank you very much.